0: I almost got to a point where I wasn't hardly nervous when I was playing music. <clears throat> maybe at a new place, maybe I would be, or depending on who was in the crowd, I might get nervous. But most mostly I uh, I got to a place where I wasn't so much because we played so much all the time. <clears throat> but I still get nervous before I preach because if we just you just sit and ponder what we're doing and ponder. And myself, just now thinking, you know, my heart needs to be right. I am preaching about the God of the universe. I'm trying to be his mouthpiece, speaking his word, preaching his word. And I don't want to get nothing wrong. That, that's odd. It's an odd, awesome responsibility. And it's a fearful thing. But at the same same time, if we sit and we're thinking about it, here we are, unified as a body of Christ, to worship the same God that created the entire universe. What an odd thing that he, he He likes our worship, and he's thankful for our worship, and an awesome thing that he is actually in our presence right now, because there's two or more gathered in his name. What an awesome thing, and how wonderful it is, and you know... Um, uh, we're not saved on emotionalism. We don't get saved, and you ought not. Well, you know, you don't get saved just through an emotion, but without a doubt, emotion happens. And when Rachel's singing, you know, through it all, man, you know, times in your life, and you start remembering some things, uh, and it's a blessing. You know, I said, I think it was last Sunday night, I preached the message on, or two Sunday nights ago, I preached a message on worship. The more we know the Word of God, the better our worship is. Period. Period. Our, our, our worship will be deeper the deeper we study the word of God. Amen. And I was telling Jessica, I think she heard Rachel practicing the song before church. Jessica said she loved that song. I said, I love that song too. I said, there's a a couple young girls that, that I, I heard sing it. They, they just do a beautiful job. Maybe the most beautiful job I've ever heard called the church sisters. And I'm not you know they do a bunch of secular stuff too but they do a beautiful job on this but my point is i heard these girls sing this song on youtube I don't know, 10 years ago they're probably 8 and 10 years old maybe so beautiful and i'm thinking to myself beautiful song love the song but they've not been really through anything you know it's like it's like it's like if miss elizabeth were going to sing Mary, did you know she could do a beautiful job but it doesn't have the depth of somebody that really kind of is a mother, an experienced mother. Listen to Rachel sing that song, Through It All. <sighs> Get you excited a little bit. That was a long way to say, man, I'm glad I'm here tonight. Can we turn to Genesis chapter 11? It's our main text. Matthew chapter 18. And if we're uh, uh, feeling a little uh, encourageable, First Peter chapter 1. Genesis 11, Matthew 18, and if you want to, 1 Peter chapter 1. Amen. Amen. In the scheme of things, you have creation, just taking a big bird's eye view. You got creation, you got Adam and Eve, you got the fall, you got Cain and Abel, you got Noah and the flood, you got the Tower of Babel, uh, then probably Job, then Abraham. Job's probably after the Tower of Babel, before Abraham Probably, not for sure. But after Noah and the flood, and that whole story account, that's where we come to here, Genesis chapter 11. We're here, this is the, the tower of Babel. says in uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, and, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now, now that's kind of important to understand because remember, the flood, and then after the flood, you have Noah and his family, right? So how long was it after the flood to the Tower of Babel? I didn't try to do an in-depth study. I just looked at commentaries and what people said, and and, and a lot of folks said 1 to uh, to 110 years. Uh, Some said uh, 1 to 400 years. One person said 700 years. But by and large, not a whole lot of time has passed since the flood the tower of babel less than a thousand years very well could only be a hundred years a number of people come up with 106 years and they had a bunch of bible verses but i didn't follow the trail i didn't study that out it's not so important but just to understand this isn't like you know like uh, 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 eons and eons later this is relatively soon time after the flood that will help us with the understanding of what they were doing with the whole tower of babel Verse 2, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them uh, throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, "Uh, uh, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Brothers, I'd be honored if you'd open us. Uh, This message in a word of prayer, sir. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, keep your place in Genesis. But Matthew 18, 20 says, and I've used this verse a lot really today. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Why do you bring up that verse, you might ask? Because I'm pointing out that God wasn't in the midst of what was happening at the Tower of Babel. God was not part of that. They were not doing a godly thing. It was not a righteous thing in what they were doing. It wasn't a bunch of uh, born-again believers, church folk, uh, getting together, having worship services. No, that was not the mentality. We say, well, Jesus made that promise in the New Testament. I hear you. I hear you. Let me just take you on a quick uh, side journey here on the Tower of Babel. Jump to 1 Peter 1, verse 10. I just want to point something out here real quick. First Peter chapter one verse ten. With the Tower of Babel in mind, I want to take us around the corner to show us something before we get back to the Tower of Babel. First Peter chapter one verse ten says, "Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to, unto you." And uh, and this is probably a good time since we're in Peter. Uh, I said that Paul wrote Peter this morning. Uh, boy, was I wrong on that. Uh, I totally misspoke. Amen. Um, but who, what, who, what's the context in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10? It says, uh, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that, that should come unto you, the salvation that the prophets of old taught and wrote about in the Old Testament. That's what they're talking about. The salvation that the prophets of old, Who's the prophets that they're talking about? In the New Testament. The prophets of the Old Testament. The point of the salvation that they searched diligently to teach and to preach. The next verse. Searching what or what manner of time? Look at this. The Spirit of Christ. It's a capital S. The Spirit of Christ, which was look, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. And the glory that should follow. So the spirit of who? Christ. Was in who? The prophets of old. Jesus Christ is in our midst. Because two or more gathered together. Jesus Christ was in the midst of prophets back then. Because it says he was in the midst of them. He was in them. God was not part of the Tower of Babel. And look at this, and I'll show you why. Genesis 11, verse 5. Genesis 11, verse 5. Back to the Tower of Babel. It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. First of all, God is uh, uh, omnipresent. He doesn't need to come down from heaven to see what's going on. But for our benefit, I believe that, that uh, God had the Bible written in such a manner to show that he was not part of it. He came down to see what was happening. As in, he wasn't a part of it. He wasn't in that. His spirit was not in that. I believe with all my heart that's what it's saying. Like when Jacob wrestled with God. God was just wrestling with Jacob to, to show, teach him a lesson, to show him something. Like, like God was really like wrestling, like really? You know, like when I wrestled with Wyatt, I could whip the fire out of him, but God was teaching Jacob something. I think the same thing applies here. God came down uh um i want I want to read that right where where am i um, oh, there it is. And the Lord uh, came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. I believe with all my heart God had it written that way to show that he was not part of what was going on. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and uh, they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them uh, which they have imagined to do. Which, which this is a statement, uh, an absolutely massive statement to, to power, the power of unity right the, the god of creation is saying man when people get together unified with a cause they can do whatever they imagine to do it's, it's quite a statement And we know that the world will eventually come together in unity again but with the same spirit here a spirit of antichrist we know there's going to be a one world government during tribulation times how much of that we will see well that's debatable. Uh, it may it may already uh, uh, be in place before the rapture. It may uh, be in place after the rapture. How much of it will be in place? That can all be debated because nobody really knows for sure all those details. But look at verse 7. It says, Go to let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Here we see clearly the Trinity, which is exciting. Amen. And why did they... They, I mean, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, decide to separate man because they knew the depth of the wickedness that they were capable of. You think, how bad could mankind have been back then? Look, for anybody that's a parent, they can see how bad their child can get in a a quick amount of time. Every single time, and and Lord knows, I love my mom and dad, they're Probably watching right now. I love the camera's here now. I love you guys, um, but every single time the kids go to grandma and grandpa's house, there's two or three days of spankings involved to get them back in line. Every time, every time, because that's our human nature. Oh, I don't have any rules. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You right? That's how we do. Amen. So, from creation to the flood was right around 1,600 years. The, the Bible lays out some pretty good timelines. It's pretty, it's pretty accurate. About 1,600 years from creation to the flood. And how did God describe the state of man right before the flood? How long did Noah build the ark? Was it, was it like 100, 120 years? Good, I wasn't too crazy off. So, so, 120 years at least before the flood, God describes the state of man. Look at Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the, the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, but he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And this is, this is right about the time where men's lives began to get shorter, which was after the flood which was after the flood. Look at, uh, let's jump to verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man, uh, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's basically from creation to the flood, basically. Was only evil continually. We're, We're talking roughly 1,600 years. So after the flood you get the tower of babel and 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 in the trinity is considering within themselves the wicked imagination that man will eventually end up at they may not have been there at that time but god could see holy spirit could see the son could see hey they put their imagination with this antichrist mentality. Even though it may may only be here, it's going to grow to here. You let a kid, you don't spank that kid, man. It's going to be a little hellion here. It's going to be the worst thing you ever saw when it gets here. You think it's cute now? Sure, but once you get to here, it's too late. That's what that's what the Trinity was seeing in the Tower of Babel. Where was I? Verse 3, Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, My spirit should not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days should be 120 years. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 6. Genesis 6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Which is 1,600 years. Congratulations, mankind. We, we were able to think of only evil continually. It's hard to fathom. I mean, that's not a whole lot of generations when you're living a thousand years. Think about that. That's not a whole lot of, I mean, you know, your daddy probably talked to Adam, you know, or or, or your grandpa. I mean, we're not talking like a whole lot of years. We have some personal stories of what God did that the first animal sacrifice. I mean, this wasn't like eons and eons of passed down generations, sixteen hundred years, and people were living all over the place, seven, eight, nine hundred years. And we say, how could that happen? Well, it happens today. You can have a g- godly mother and father. Take your children to church and be faithful and Try to teach them. You could even homeschool or whatever, private school, whatever, whatever you want to do. Trying to do the very best you can to train your uh, your children in the way that they should go, but they still have a choice to make. They could still just not be faithful. They could. They might not even get saved. But they got their own choices to make. It, it doesn't matter that that. Uh, You you just got saved from four hundred years of bondage, and you just witnessed all those amazing miracles—amazing miracles only God could do. It was not even a question; you knew God did it. You just walked through dry land. You just watched the Egyptians completely get washed away, and that you are free now. All these man, wh- wh- how amazing that is! What were you studying the there, day, Rachel? Where you talked about how quick it was? There were compl- it, was, it was like four days later. You mentioned the other day they are complaining about how thirsty they were and they are ready to just die. They were ready to kill Moses. Was it three or four days later? Three days after the part of the Red Sea. They are ready to just throw Moses under the bus, throwing God under the bus. It's all over. It's just a waste of time. Let's just go back to Egypt. This is horrible. I get it. They were thirsty. They just saw what God did and Adam's children his children his children's children and however many there were I don't know they knew what God had done it wasn't a question of did God was is God a gracious God or, or is God all powerful did God set these things in motion and we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to make these sacrifices cuz cuz that's pointing to the the the, the land that's eventually going to come and we're supposed to do this but I don't want to do they still got a choice to make just like the child that might grow up in church they might just say I oh, forget it Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. I don't know if I told you to turn there or not. Matthew 24, 37. I'll take a quick drink. Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Ooh, what a comparison to, to, to nowadays, to Noah's day. Mm. There's evil in their hearts continually is what God talked about back in that day. Mm. Noah would have said people used to serve God, but there's been a great falling away. That would have been part of his preaching. Yeah, right. Nowadays, what do preachers say? What, what, what do Christians say that know their Bibles? There's People used to serve God, but there's been a great falling away. Yeah. That's why it's important to stick with the old stuff. Yeah. That's why it's important for us as moms and dads to, to draw a line in the sand and say, We're going to serve God no matter what. No matter what. Our children are going to eventually have to make a choice for themselves, but we're going to set a pattern. We're going to set up some consistency. We're going to set up a a landmark. We're going to set up a memorial that says, hey, from this time forward, we're going to serve the Lord. Period. This is when church time is. We're going to go worship. This is what we're going to do as a family. We're going to serve God no matter what. When people come together in the spirit of Christ, man, a whole lot of things can get done. And we're kind of talking that right before church, man. I mean, Brother Jim jumped in on Sunday school. Miss Kathy's uh, chomping at the bit to help out in several areas, amen. Uh, People are stepping in to help. Miss Carrie's been teaching in class. Miss Michelle's uh, 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 helping in the kitchen uh, Ms. Darla's running right the kitchen with, with, with Ms. Kathy. Miss Aaron's doing Sunday school classes. Tony's been preaching and filling in. Brother Shine's doing security. Brother Holler's does jobs around the church. Uh, uh, Brother Raleigh, man, he's been a blessing to our church. Amen. 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 Brother Rob's preached in the past. Rachel does stuff in the sound booth. Nobody knows what she does, but she does stuff. Ben's teaching a class on Wednesdays. Jimmy's helped on church workdays and he's offered help doing more. Hey, we got some unity in the church. Miss Jen's been playing piano for Sunday school. Miss, and Miss Linda, boy, they've been helping in the nursery along with our ladies. We've been watching uh, Miss and Miss Roman. What a blessing that is. When we come together with the spirit of Christ, man, we can, we can get some things done. In the last couple of years, we've got some things done. In the next couple of years, Lord willing, we're going to get some more things done. Amen. Uh, around the church and spiritually as well. But that goes the other way. When people get together with the spirit of antichrist. That's not a spirit of rest. That's not a spirit. And it might just be a little spirit of antichrist. It might just be a little rebellion. That cute little three-year-old. That's cute. Isn't that cute when the three-year-old cusses? That's just so cute. No. That's not cute. Now, I, 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 how many times people laugh at that and think it's so funny that's not cute right. when, when, when a little kid does something mis- uh, 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 disrespects their mom and dad I'm talking about even a two year old right. that's not cute because yeah, right. that, that rebellion will only grow right. and, and, and if you don't take care of it when it's young man it's just going to be unbridled when it's older You might say that's an extreme thing to say, talking about a spirit of antichrist and people that come together. I mean, we've seen that more. I mean, just look at our politics situation. People that come together with the spirit of antichrist. That's an anti-God agenda. Look at the things that are taking place. Look at the ridiculous laws that were left to, to that people are voting on. That were, Are you kidding me? This is where we are. This is the imaginations of an antichrist society that it's leading to. Not that much different than the Tower of Babel time. But for the grace of God, he stayed his state is coming. Amen. The longer you wait to spank a child, the harder it is for him to accept it. Just the same way it is, <clears throat> the longer you spend a lifetime suppressing the truth. So I believe that every man, woman, child is born with the truth the knowledge of the truth in them, Romans chapter 1. The longer that we spend a lifetime suppressing the truth, the harder it is to accept it when we see it. They didn't believe Noah, that there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And much of the world doesn't believe anymore that there's still a God that's sitting on his throne, and he's still in charge of things, and he hasn't ever changed that's the, 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 we see a spirit in the world today, the same spirit that you see in the Tower of Babel, the, the self-made mentality. People tattooing it on their fingers, self-made. Idolatry, pride, self-righteous. We answer to no one. What they're saying is we're our own gods. We, 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 do, we do what we want for right and wrong. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I actually had a guy, uh, probably the most bitter man I've ever met, I used to work with, Um, so not saved, hated God, oh, he hated God. And he would, I'm not exaggerating this, he would like grit his teeth when talking about it. He, He would say things like, I will never bow down to a book of rules, you know, he'd get mad talking about it. Just a book of rules that you guys have was his mentality. I don't even know if he's alive anymore. There wasn't much time after the flood of the Tower of Babel. hundred years, a few hundred years. But now it's been over 4,000 years or so since the Tower of Babel. And God hasn't destroyed earth yet, but for the grace of God. There will be nobody after this earth is done and gone that's going to say God didn't have enough grace. Everyone gets an opportunity to come to Christ. God, God's grace is more than sufficient. Amen. Amen. Um, go back to Genesis 11. We have uh, the world's coming together like it never has before. And much like the Tower of Babel, the imaginations of man are just wildly anti and, and whether we, the, the, people might, may not say, they're, they might say they're not coming together uh, as much as they want to admit because they're, 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 they're coming together against God. As if, to, let me throw an example. If I'm at work and I'm talking about how great the Lord is or something, all of a sudden, you have atheists that hate each other that will now be best friends in, in opposition to whatever I'm talking about. They will all of a sudden be unified in their anti-Christ mentality. In whatever conversation they're having. We're seeing more and more of this today. And I, you know, they're finding common ground against God. And I know that God knows what we don't. And God can see what we can't. Uh, a, a, a child doesn't understand the harm that they're doing, right? They'll say, after all, it's filled with good intentions like, like the fervency of Saul literally murdering Christians and separating <clears throat> husbands and wives and children from parents all in the name of God, and God wasn't anywhere near that. Coming together with a purpose, it was all antichrist. The people at the Tower of Babel were probably nice folks. They were probably friendly and easy to get along with. Right? We, we, we want to demonize things all the time. Right? We want to demonize like we're, when we're studying Catholicism, we want to demonize. Our flesh wants to demonize every Catholic person. Like, oh! You know, boom, Catholic people! But that's not the case. There's a lot of Catholic people that, that love the Lord. There might be some Catholic people that are saved. Right? It doesn't mean that they're, they're horrible people. Uh, and I'll say this, and it's kind of hard for me to say, but there, there's probably um um uh, folks in Islam that, that are nice people. I think I've worked for some. They're nice people. They're, they're not these horrible people that just want to kill you. They don't know their Quran very well. But it doesn't mean that they're horrible. The people at the Tower of Babel, what I'm saying, they probably, I'm speculating, they probably weren't these awful people. If we went there, they're probably nice folks. But nice folks doesn't mean they're not anti-Christ in their thinking. I work with a lot of nice folks that aren't saved. They have an anti-Christ mentality. When we say anti-Christ, it sounds harsh. Amen. They're still anti-Christ. Genesis chapter 11, verse 8. I need to start winding down. Genesis 11, verse 8 says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord... Did therefore confound the language of all the earth? And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth? And as quickly as the story begins, it just ends as quick, as far as the little snippet that we get in history. And God gave us what we need to know, what he wants us to know, right? If God gave us every little detail of everything, we'd never even read the first chapter of the book. I mean, come on, right? But you'll occasionally find an atheist that will accuse Christianity of stealing from other religions as far as like the legends or the myths, right? And, and they'll say things like this. Uh, well, did you know, Mr. Christian, that um, <clears throat> there's, there's um, religions all over the world um, that have some sort of a flood account? So Christianity just stole it from one of those and just stuck it in a book, <clears throat> Actually, quite the opposite. It's just like when people try to use science to refute the Bible. Actually, science uh, supports the Bible every time. If, If a flood account was true, wouldn't religions and cults and atheists of all over the world have some sort of an account for a flood? That just supports the idea of a flood. The same goes for a Tower of Babel. Not as prevalent as the flood, but all over the world. All over the world, there's, there's accounts for, hey, at a time, and right around the same time, they were building this great tower to go to the sky. And all of a sudden, everyone started speaking a different language. And they say, look, you're just stealing from that other religion over there. But if it actually happened, that would spread it all over the world. It actually supports the truth. Amen. Amen. Great historian Josephus wrote a. He wrote about the Tower of Babylon. I read everything that he wrote about it. Josephus, I don't believe, was saved, Um, um, which helps from a historic point of view. We can read it, and he was pretty um, um, indifferent, seemingly so, to Christians. It's not Bible what he, what he wrote, but, but it's very interesting nonetheless. Josephus, he talked about a n- man named Nimrod being the leader of the whole project. With the sole purpose was to defy God that if there is ever a flood again, they, they're going to build a tower so high that they're not going to drown in that flood. That was, that was what Josephus wrote about with this, this man named uh, um, Nimrod leading the charge. The whole idea with the Tower of the Bible was, hey, we're not going to get stuck in a flood situation again. We're going to overcome whatever God throws at us. While we're doing it, we're going to try to touch the sky. That's what Josephus, the historian, wrote about. Not Bible, the historian. But look, at, look at Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Just some interesting Bible. I watched that on... Um, um, It's was like National Geographic or something talking about Nimrod. And then I, then, I, then I looked up Josephus and I found his writings on Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. And it was very interesting. So I thought, I'm going to look up some verses on Nimrod in, in the Bible. See what the Bible says about Nimrod. It says, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now look at this. It says, In the beginning of his kingdom was Babel quite interesting quite interesting we can't say that what Josephus says was inspired because it wasn't but Nimrod was in charge the city of Babel I'm thankful that our Bible is perfect in every way because you know what if it wasn't perfect in every single way then it wouldn't be trustworthy at all If it was wrong in one point one point Man, I'm glad we have a perfect Bible. I, I don't understand how a Christian, let alone a, a preacher, let alone a pastor, let alone a, some theologian, could get any really deep studying in if there wasn't a standard of a word of God. And now you have, and I'm not being facetious. I mean, they're going to study with 10 different versions of the Bible to try to get the ESV and the NIV and whatever the latest thing is, really, to try to compare notes. Romans 3, 4, God forbid, yea, God be true and every man a liar. We need to know what we believe. Otherwise, we're going to be walking around with no armor. Let alone a sword that's rusted in our sheath because we don't know how to use it. What am I saying? Uh, the, the, the soldier that goes to, 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 to practice with his sword, and he's standing there with all the other, all the other soldiers. And everybody's practicing. Everybody's using it uh, uh, when they go to battles. But 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 we're just standing there with our swords in the sheath. I see. Yep. I'm learning how to fight. Uh huh. taking a note of it. But they're being hearers and not doers. So if we're not using it, we're not honing our skills. We're not we're not doing nothing for the cause of Christ except standing there with a short, sword rusted in our sheath. First Peter 3:15, I use it this morning, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So next time somebody comes up to you with a question of, hey, where where did all these different languages come from? Where, where did mankind invent these different languages in what time? And you can say, Well, mankind didn't invent the different languages, God did. Sure. And then you can point to them, Genesis chapter 11 and show them, you know what? This is the biblical account of what God says, the Tower of Babel. And then then you can talk about the grace of God. He didn't just wipe them out. He had grace and he dispersed them. And then you can start talking about the grace of God and show them book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Talk about the grace of God to mankind. He could have just ended it with Adam and Eve and been like, well, this, this, was, this ain't working. It's not worth sending my son to die for you. But man, but for the grace of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Help us, Lord, to to help us, Lord, to study. Help us, Lord, to understand our Bibles. Help us, Lord, uh, to be Christians. That...